Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Well, I was thinking about dads um, here on Father's Day, and I was thinking about how much we get from our dads. Like, we get a lot of things, and I think I threw it out there on Facebook to just go, hey, what, what did you get from your father? And you get all kinds of answers, some of my favorite ones. You know, people say, I got my dad's sense of humor, or I got his nose, or I got something else. I look just like my dad. So I remember when I was 21 years old, and I was flipping through photo albums. Remember those photo albums? Anybody have photo? Who still has photo albums? Actual printed photos. I'm impressed. Wow. You don't have printed photos. Do you really? I'm impressed. But an actual photo album, and I didn't know what year it was. I didn't know who it was. I just knew it was a photo album. And I was looking at this picture of this guy on the beach, and I'm like, I honestly don't remember this picture of me. And I sat there for a couple of minutes going, I don't know who like, when was this? And why is this picture so yellow? And my mom went, that's not you. That's your dad. And it was me at that age, but him at that age. I was currently 21. And it was an, a, a picture of him when he was 21. And I didn't even recognize the difference. So I look a lot like my dad. Um, some people, somebody put on Facebook, they got their road rage from their dad. So maybe not everything that we get from our parents is always the best example. Um, but in my family, between my brother, my dad, and I, I don't know what it is with Ritter males, but I'm praying that I don't pass this on to my kids. We all have a tick. You know what I'm talking about? A tick, just like a little something that you do that you don't realize you do it. But we all have our own tick, but we all have something different. So my dad would always kind of nod like this, like his head, just if he sits still. My brother would always go to the side. He'd always kind of just go like this, and I would blink. I don't know why I just would blink. Now you're all going to be looking at me, expecting me to blink. Maybe I shouldn't have told you. But we all had this different tick. And we were all, uh, my whole family went to Bush Gardens one day. And you know the boat ride they have that goes down the river? Anybody ever done that at Bush Gardens? We're all in this little boat ride together, but we're sitting on different rows. It was my dad, my brother, and me. And all of our wives were behind us laughing hysterically. I went, what are they laughing at? Little did we know, we're all doing our tick at the same time, one behind the other, and they're just laughing at us, going, look at them. My dad's doing this, my brother's doing this, and I'm blinking, and we're just going, just leave us alone. Love us anyway, would you? So we all get something from our dad. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Um, But the fact is, we get something from him. But I was thinking about, if I could choose something that I got from my father, what would it be? And I think we all have something in common that we really need from our dads, and it's blessing. And I want to talk to you about the Father's blessing. All of us, every person in this room, need the blessing of our Father. We'll talk a little bit about what that blessing means. It's one of those funny Christianese terms that means a lot of different things. And if you grew up under prosperity preaching, blessing is always about money and cars and that sort of stuff. That's part of the picture, but it's certainly not the whole picture. Or maybe if you grew up on maybe the opposite end of the prosperity preaching, that blessing is never about money. It's always about something spiritual. You're never going to have anything material. It's always going to be spiritual. I think blessing in God's eyes kind of incorporates all of those things. And if we are to isolate it to 
only spiritual or only natural. We'll miss the whole picture of what God has for us. But there is a special blessing that only a father can give. And we need the blessing of our fathers. Because there's some things that only dad can do. You ever notice that? Do you remember when you grew up and there were some things that only your dad can do? I asked Jai this morning, I said, hey, what are some things that you think only I can do? He goes, well, only you can sit in the shed for four hours at a time. (laughs) Good point. But that's where all my stuff is. So my bike's in there. I'm now starting to write messages on my workbench because it's like the only place I can go to not get a million questions from my kids, and now I sound like the worst father ever on Father's Day. Anybody have a retreat you go to? Any dads can help me out here someplace that you need to go? I know you, you got to have one where it's just, I just, if I need to get, thank you, Pete, if I got to get away, this is my, it's my shed, okay? It's a nice big shed. That's my man cave. That's where I go. I tried to make it sound spiritual and say I write messages in there, but it is true. But only I can spend four hours in a shed. But there honestly are some things only a dad can do. And when it comes to the blessing of a father, it's a father's blessing because only a father can give it. Only a dad can give it. Even Jesus himself needed the blessing of his father. Did you know that? And the father gave it to him at a very particular and special moment. And I want to look at that with you in Luke chapter 3. Verse 21. If we can throw that up on the screen. Thank you, Liam. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. This is Jesus, right? When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Huh. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This was a very particular moment. I've done a lot of baptisms. I've been to a lot of baptisms. I haven't been to one yet where heaven opens up and a voice comes from heaven. I've never seen one where the Holy Spirit physically descends like it. Actually, that's not true. I have seen people filled with the Holy Spirit at their baptism. Norm was filled with the Holy... I wasn't there, but he tells me how he was filled with the Holy Spirit at his water baptism, which is pretty cool. But I've never witnessed a voice from heaven coming. But at Jesus' baptism, it was. This was the voice of his father sending on his son his blessing. And there are some very particular things we see in here. He says, you are my son. And I love it when we get a prophetic word before the message. That's pretty much what I was going to preach anyway, which is from Kim, when she said the devil always attacks your identity. Well, guess what the father is doing here with his own son? He's establishing his identity. He's saying, you are my son. And as much as he's telling everybody else who's there as well, he's making sure that the son knows, you are my son. Can I tell you that as a man, there are plenty of times when the enemy tries to attack my identity. He tries to convince me that I am something other than a son. He tries to convince me that I'm a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm a son. He tries to convince me that I'm some distant cousin or 
only just a friend or an acquaintance of God or that I'm only a servant. But the Lord would say to me, I am your father and you are my son. God the Father is establishing the identity in Jesus of who he is. As a dad, as a husband, as a son, as a male, it's very important that we hear the voice of our Father, the blessing of our Father that says, you are my son. My two boys, they can mess up in life. Believe me, they have at times already, just like their dad did, right? But there is never a moment when I would ever call them anything other than my son. I don't care what they do in their life. They will never not be my son, nor will my daughter ever stop being my daughter. I heard somebody, uh, a friend of mine say recently, they, they said that um, one of their kids when they were younger, if they ever did this certain thing, like if you ever did this, I would disown you. You need to know I would disown you if you ever did that. And my, something in my heart just broke. I thought there is never anything that would cause you to disown your kids. And as I'm saying that now, I believe some of you have heard that somewhere along the line, that I disown you. Can I tell you those words can have as much power as these words? You are my son. You need the blessing of your father to establish your identity. I'm talking about sons, but if you're a female in here, understand it's daughter too, okay? He was just speaking to his son, but he's establishing his identity. The second thing that he does is he gives them these affirming words. You are my son whom I love. You talk about a father that's not afraid to pour out his affection on his son. A father who understands that his role is more than toughening up his kids. His role is to love his kids. The world will do enough to try to toughen you up. Fathers, your sons need to know that you love them. Establish their identity and tell them I love you. It's a powerful moment, right? But it wasn't just that. Not only did he hear about his identity as a son and receive the the loving and affirming words of his father, believe me, that's a lot. There's a lot of dads. Some of us grew up, you know, I I was fortunate enough. I have a, a fantastic dad who never withheld his affection from me, who always, I was always his son, I'm still his son, but I know many didn't grow up in those kind of environments. You may have not had a dad. You may have had an abusive father. You may have had a father who came and left. You may have a father who really doesn't know how to love because they have not been able to receive love themselves, but I want to tell you, it doesn't matter. You still need to have that blessing working and flowing in your life. You need those affirming words. But if that's all you ever gave to your kids was affirming identity words and affirming love for them, how many of you know that's still not really enough? If Jai, my beautiful 14-year-old, when he was a baby, if he's hungry, hasn't been fed all day long, and he is screaming at the top of his lungs, actually, that's kind of the same at 14 now that I think about it. Things don't... (laughs) Don't really change. Just kidding. But if I have my son, my little, my little son, and he's screaming because he hasn't been fed all day, and I go, you're my son. I love you. Does that fix the problem? No. What does he need? He needs food. 
All the affirming words and identity in the world aren't going to help him in that moment. He needs food. What did, the heaven, what did our heavenly father do for his son? Not only did he speak these words, you are my son, whom I love, whom I am well pleased, he sent the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see that this father-son moment was more than just what he said, it is also what he gave. And as a father, I'm not just called to say loving things to my kids, though it's important, I'm called to give I need to give them what they need to equip them for what they're about to face. Because you know that no matter what I try to protect them from myself, there's always a moment where they're going to have to face something on their own. And one of the cycles or sad parts of parenting is I'm always preparing my kids to live life without me. Except for Bella, she's going to live with me forever and never get married. I'm just kidding. But you're always preparing for them to be able to do for themselves what we currently do for them now. Are you following me? Well, Jesus was the same thing. His father was establishing his identity. He was giving him words of affirmation, but he also sent the Holy Spirit to be with him, knowing what was coming right after this moment. And have a look here at what happened to Jesus in Luke chapter 4, right after this, after he receives all of these things, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, not just full of words of affirmation, not just understanding his identity, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, what his father gave to him, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. There was ever a sentence in the Bible that was not necessary to put in there because the point was obvious. It is, at the end of them, he was hungry. If you don't eat for 40 days, you're going to be hungry, right? Nothing to do with my message. I just thought that was interesting they put in there. But here Jesus is being led into the desert. Why did the Father... Spend that time in his baptism to give him words of affirmation, to establish his identity, and to send the Holy Spirit. Because the father knew, like all fathers do, at some point, my kid's going to have to face something, and I'm not going to be there to fight that battle for them. So my role as a parent is to give them what they need, so when they face the opposition that we all know is coming, they've got everything they need to not only defeat the enemy who will convince them that they are less than his son, but they will have everything to succeed in life and for Jesus' purposes to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Dads can't do everything. I know it's a really cool moment when your kids are young enough when they think dads can do everything and then they hit those preteen years where you convince them you can do everything, but you really are lacking evidence to show that. Dad can fix anything because he's got Norm on speed dial when he doesn't know how to fix it. There's that moment that's kind of nice, but every now and then your kids are like, you know how kids ask you a question and you just kind of make up the answer, but you're so convincing in that answer, they're like, my dad's the smartest guy ever. And then when they grow up and they tell everybody else, like, that's the truth. And like, what are you talking about? That's not true at all. And then all of a sudden, the veil gets pulled off their eyes. And they realize, 
Maybe dad made up all that other stuff as well. Just me? Okay. There's that fine moment when your kids think you're the smartest person in the world. But dads can't do everything. They can't. So they equip their kids for what they know they'll have to face on their own. So when Jesus steps into this desert moment, and the devil tempts him with some very interesting things, he, he often says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. So not only is he tempting him with what he knows he's weak in at the moment, but in the process he questions his identity, if you are the Son of God. And you can picture Jesus. If. If. I already know who I am. Because I've heard the voice of my Father. There's no questioning in here. There was lots of questioning here. The crowd would question all the time. It, could this be the Messiah? Is it? He, but there was never any questioning here. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew that what the Father had blessed him with was better than anything the world could possibly offer him. Do you know, that's my prayer as a father, is that my kids would know that whatever I have blessed them with is better than anything else the world has to offer. That whatever their Father in heaven has for them pales in comparison to the best that the world has to offer them. Now, they might want things of the world, the material things. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't put it on a level playing field with what their Father can offer them. That's my hope and prayer, is that we would have that heart that Jesus had in the desert. He knew who he was, and he knew that, enemy, you're offering me everything this world has, and still... It doesn't compare to what my father has because the price of what you're offering me is too great a price. The price of what the father in heaven is offering me for us has already been paid. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus became a curse for us so that we could inherit the blessing of Abraham? That means when we receive the blessing of the Father like Jesus received the blessing of the Father, the price for receiving that blessing has already been paid. The price to receive what the devil was offering him, food, fame, wealth, fortune, notoriety, was his own soul. And Jesus says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his very soul. Can I tell you that Jesus is speaking out of experience? Because he had the option. He had the opportunity to gain the whole world but lose his soul. So when he comes and tells us, what good is it for you to gain everything the world has to offer when the price of it is your own soul? But yet the blessing that your father has from you, the price has already been paid. Jesus was made a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come to us. What a great promise for us. You know, if you look back in Scripture, people knew the importance of blessing. They understood that. So when Jesus is talking about blessing, this is not a new concept. 
They understood the blessing that came to Abraham, that through you, all nations on earth will be blessed, right? And your descendants will number like the sands on the seashore, like the stars in the sky. That was the promise of Abraham that was supposed to flow through us. They understood blessing. In fact, they understood it so much that even Jacob, you know the story when Jacob wrestled God? This was in uh, Genesis chapter 32, verse 26. I think we got that one up there, Genesis 32. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. They understood blessing so much. Jacob wrestles God, gets him in a rear naked choke, a leg lock. I don't know what it was he had him in, but he would not let God tap out until he blessed him. I won't let you go until you bless me. I don't think he understood it was God at the time. He may not have been quite so zealous. But he understood the importance of blessing. I'm not letting go until you bless me. This is not a new concept. I wish we would grab hold of God the same way. Say, God, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. You don't have to wrestle God. You can just hold fast to him. Hold fast to the promises. Hold fast to your identity as a son and as a daughter until he blesses you. Because the promise that comes, God did bless Jacob because he didn't let go. I wonder if the blessing that we're waiting for just needs us to hold fast a little bit longer. I wonder if it means persevering in prayer just a little bit longer. I wonder if it means just putting up with a little bit of the discomfort of the present for the blessing that's coming. You know, there's this cool verse in Mark chapter 10, if you guys want to turn there. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. There were all of these parents that kept bringing their kids to Jesus now, this was old school. I mean, we love kids hanging out in worship and hanging out. If a kid got a prophetic word, we let them share it too here because there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's not like you got a full dose and kids get half a dose. You understand what I'm saying? So our kids can have a prophetic word that's just as real and as true as you and I can have, sometimes even more so because they don't have the uncomfortableness filter. They just say it. So sometimes, kid, yep, sometimes kids have a more strong prophetic word than we can. I'm just going to throw it out there. But this was the day of kids were meant to be seen and not heard. Kids did not, like you're just kind of in the background, right? But in Mark chapter 10, we see where these parents are bringing their kids to Jesus. Do you know why they're doing it? I'll read it to you because I think we got some problems with the overhead. It says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he would touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Parents were bringing their kids to Jesus because they understood the power of the fatherly blessing. They wanted Jesus to put his right hand on them, which was the Jewish Hebrew tradition that they would put their right hand on him and pronounce a blessing over their kids. So much so that they were willing to risk the disciples who were trying to kick them to the curb so that they wouldn't be able to do that. And they're going, I don't care if you don't think this is the right thing to do. Like Jacob wrestled God until he blessed him, I know the value of what that person has to offer with his blessing. And I'm not letting your idea of right and wrong stand in the way of this blessing for my child. And Jesus goes, hey, what are you doing? Don't stop the children. 
You see, because what the disciples did is they misread the heart of Jesus. And they misread the heart of the Father. Jesus is too busy doing ministry to bless kids. He's got more important things to do. And Jesus said, this is why I'm here. And in fact, you should be doing what they're doing. You should be bringing the little ones to me so that I can bless them. I remember um, I was at a conference once. It was actually here locally. I forgot what the name of the conference was, but there was a speaker who, uh, he, he, uh, I think he's on the church at, at, at Bethel in Reading. Um, completely forgotten his name. But he, he has a specific ministry with uh, kids with special needs, ministering to kids with special needs. I think he's got special needs kids uh, himself. And so he was speaking on something else. But at the end of the service, he just said, if anybody wants prayer, you know, come on up here and we'll pray for you. And, and you know, there's a prayer ministry team like a lot of churches have, like we have, which is good because it's not the man of God that's supposed to pray for everybody. There's the men and women of God that we all pray for each other. The Holy Spirit you have is the same one I have. And so uh, they came forward. But I noticed, um, you know, he's one of the guest speakers. And a lot of times the guest speakers kind of, they've got another uh, session to do later on or whatever. So for whatever purpose, sometimes they've got to go to another meeting or get rest or whatever. But I watched this guy, and there were several special needs kids that came to the front. And everybody was praying, and I watched them sit on the steps of the stage and take every single one of them and hug them and put them on his lap and engage only them. Wasn't engaging mom and dad. There's nobody else in the room, but one at a time, I watched him for about an hour just love on these kids and bless them. And I went, that's someone who understands the heart of the Father. That's someone that understands that this is what ministry was all about in this moment. Let the little children come to me. And I watched these kids understand the value they had. And I watched the identity start to build in them. You mean I'm someone that could be paid attention to by somebody like that? Do you mean that I'm someone they would talk to or even harder sometimes listen to? And then to have them put them on his lap and embrace them and hug them. I don't know what he said to them. Probably doesn't matter. But I watched them bless these kids, and I watched them change as a result. Many of them throughout his ministry have been healed, not because there's this great man of faith and power, because it's the heart of a father that carries the heart of the father to, the, to these kids and has seen them healed as a result. And i got to tell you, it did something in me. Now, I've never been the type that rushes out to the next meeting and that sort of stuff. But I just went, God, that's the heart I want that would embrace those who others maybe not. People knew the importance of the blessing. It's funny, but I remember asking Romy to marry me. And I kind of freaked out because it was fairly impromptu. I hadn't planned it. 
It worked out. We've been married 20 years. <laughs> but I remember her mom was in Ireland at the time. We were in Australia, and we were staying at her, her dad's house. I think we were visiting for the day or the weekend or something. Her mom and dad's house, but her mom was in Ireland. And I asked her to marry me, and we were so excited. And on the drive back to the house from where we were, I went, I haven't asked your dad. Oh. And inside of me was like, look, I want to ask for his blessing for this. But I'm going to be honest with you. Whether he gives it to me or not, I'm still going to marry this girl. But I remember coming into the house and saying, hey, Jerry, um, I got a question to ask you. I said, I'd love for your blessing to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. And being the comedian Irishman he is, he goes, what? No! I was like, oh, really? He goes, no, I'm kidding. Yes, you have my blessing. I remember that thinking. It seems so archaic, you know? It seems like, is that so old school? Do people still do that these days? But I thought, no, I, I want his blessing. Because walking into our marriage with the blessing of her parents and the blessing of my parents, can I tell you, it, it gives a little bit of a different perspective. I got some ideas for your wedding too, by the way. I mean, it's your wedding. You can do what you want. But I got some ideas we can discuss and talk about. It's going to be awesome. There's something about a fatherly blessing that only a dad can do. You know, in Numbers chapter 6, in verse 22, if we can find Numbers 6, 22, it's called the priestly blessing, right? And this is something that was given to Aaron, the priest, back in the Old Testament days. It says, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name, identity, on the Israelites and I will bless them. So what did God tell Aaron? Tell Aaron, bless the people. And whatever Aaron blesses, I will bless. Do you see that? He didn't say, ask Aaron to pray for them that I would bless them. He's saying, tell Aaron to bless them. And whatever Aaron blesses, I will bless as well. Aaron, as the priest, like Abraham, was kind of the father figure of the people. So when he blessed the people with this, God blessed them. Now, why didn't God do it directly? Why didn't he just have them pray himself? Because he went through a high priest. That was the way he chose to do it. When the high priest blesses them, I will bless them too. You follow me there? So as his role, Aaron's primary role was this intermediary between the people and God. He would offer sacrifices for the people's sins, but he would also carry the blessing of God to the people so that when Aaron blessed them, God blessed them. That's the way he chose to do that. Well, today, the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We now fill the role of the priesthood over the people. Jesus is our high priest, but as priests ourselves, we pronounce the blessing that Aaron used to pronounce over the people. So that means you. 
Father, daughter, son, brother, whatever you are, if you love God, if you're part of the kingdom, you carry the same anointing Aaron carried, that whatever you bless, the Father will bless. We are a priesthood, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, all of us. Jesus is the high priest, but we are the priests that not only have the ability to bless others, but we carry a mandate to bless others. Are you following me? That's the priestly blessing that he spoke. We need to receive that blessing from our fathers. So you may think, well, what if I don't have that kind of dad? What if my dad's not here anymore? What if my dad can't or won't bless me? What if all I heard was the disowning words? Or maybe I have no contact. Maybe there's an estrangement there. And what if my dad can't bless me? There's this incredible story in the Bible of a guy by the name of Jabez. You ever heard of Jabez? A couple years ago, there was this book that came out called The Prayer of Jabez that was really popular for a time. Well, Jabez, we read about in Genesis, sorry, 1 Chronicles chapter 4 in verse 9. So 1 Chronicles is just listing the, the genealogy of the house of Judah, right? Judah means praise. It's, it's the lineage that brought Jesus as well. So through this line of Judah, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so was the son of so-and-so. And then right in the middle of it, there's this strange thing in 1 Chronicles, which doesn't seem to really fit with everything else. And wouldn't you know it, I didn't put the scripture in my notes, so, um, and I didn't give it to them either. But it basically says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, hey, you all got Bibles in your pews, you got Bibles on your phones, you can look it up and follow along with me if you want. But 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, oh, I do have it up here. I have notes on my notes. I lied. I don't have it. Do I have it? I don't have it. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. There's this genealogy, as I said, it goes through. And it says that Jabez, who has it? Because I want to look it up. I'm sorry to waste your time. Can I read it off your phone? You don't have like some weird translation now, do you? Because that would just mess it all up. Oh my goodness, we have three different translations here. Wow, I'm impressed. All right, who wants NLT? Who wants NIV? Who likes some GNB? I don't even know what GNB is. Anybody want to try some GNB? Either y'all won't raise your hand for anything or you got some pet. Tra- y'all have a passion translation. Who wants passion translation? Well, Chronicles doesn't have a passion translation, so I'm going to have to do it in the NIV, all right? We're going with NIV. NIV. Jabez. Okay, you follow me now? Don't lose track. So this is, an, this is the genealogy of Judah. So-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And then right in the middle of it, in verse 9, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. There's no mention of who his father is, and there's not even a mention of his mother's name, but yet in this whole succession, there's all father's mothers, but they just chuck it in there, Jabez, Right? But his mother named him this because he says, I gave birth to him in pain. The name Jabez literally means pain. How many of you wanted to name your kids Jabez? Put your hand down. It's Father's Day. But there's moments when you want to change their name to Jabez, but you don't. She literally named her child pain. Interesting name. Wonder what their 
job choice would have been if their name was Payne. If you're a UFC fighter, probably would have been pretty good. If you grow up and be a marriage counselor, probably not a good name to have. But listen to what Jabez says. Jabez, by the way, why do I think there's no mention of the name of his father or his mother? What would your guess be? It's probably an illegitimate child. I know that if I had an illegitimate child, I might not want to have my name listed in there amongst all these other supposed heroes. Of course, we're under grace, so who cares, right? But there's a part of that that's like, oh, we'll mention Jabez, but maybe we'll just leave out the father and mother part. It's quite possible that Jabez was an illegitimate child. And so that's why there's no mention of father or mother. The difference between Chronicles and Kings, you ever read Chronicles and Kings? Chronicles and Kings are the same stories, but written from a different perspective. Kings, First and Second Kings, shares all the bad things that happened to Israel. But First and Second Chronicles was written during the captivity, so it leaves out some of the bad parts because you're writing to a people who are suffering the results of their disobedience. The last thing they need to know is this is why you're here. They need to know the goodness and the promises. So Chronicles has a little bit more of a positive spin, a little bit of an optimistic view of the same thing, because it's writing to people who need to be reminded of the goodness of God, not the badness of themselves. That's the difference between Kings and Chronicles. So it leaves out some things that Kings left in. You follow me right now? So one of the reasons they probably left this out is because maybe it wasn't the part of their history they wanted to remember. So we're going to leave out some names, but right in the middle here is this guy, Jabez. Probably an illegitimate child born in pain. Maybe that's why, that's where the pain came from. Who knows? Needless to say, he's born into a bad situation. There's no mention of a father who can bless Jabez. Do you remember how important blessing was? Do you know that in the Old Testament, the blessing of your father meant not just the words of affirmation. It meant not just the identification, but remember how the father sent the Holy Spirit that was a gift? It also meant that I am giving you an inheritance, a physical inheritance. Everything that I have is yours. When you bless your child, you're saying everything that I have will one day be yours. You follow me? So this blessing thing is important. Jabez had no father to do that. So if you're going to live this life without the blessing of a father, life's going to be really, really tough for you. You're starting from scratch. Started at the bottom, now we're here. That's what life's going to be like. How many of you, how many fathers in here want your kids to start with nothing just like you did? Does any father want that for their kids? Of course not. You work hard so that you can leave an inheritance for your kids. And the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Jabez didn't have that. Jabez did not have the blessing of a father. He may not have even known his father. But guess what Jabez does? It says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Do you know what Jabez did? This priestly blessing that we saw in Numbers, he's praying it over himself. Because Jabez did not have an earthly father that could put his hand on him and bless him the way a father is supposed to. He just skipped that whole step and he went directly to the source. 
I don't have an earthly father that can or will bless me, but I know that I have a heavenly father who wants to bless me. He's not wanting me to live in pain. Even if my own mother called me pain, that's not the way my heavenly father sees me. He doesn't see me as a pain. He sees me as a son. And I want to tell you for us today, God doesn't look at you as a sinner saved by grace. He doesn't view you as a person who screwed everything up and finally he rescued you. He looks at you as a son and as a daughter who's come home. We get stuck in this mentality. My life is pain. I'm named pain. I don't have the blessing that everyone else seems to have. But if you understand the heart of your father, he doesn't look at you and say, sinner saved by grace. We look at ourselves that way. He looks and says, it's my son who has finally come home. Go kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. Put the finest robe on him. Let's throw a party. It's not at that party where he's looking at the son going, man, you really screwed up. You're lucky I got you. You you smell like smoke. You're coming in here. No. You're a son who's come home. But do you understand that when the prodigal son left, all the father wanted was his son to come home. That's the heart of the father. If you did not have a father who could bless you, can I tell you, he will. You can skip that whole step and call the blessing on yourself, knowing the heart of the heavenly father towards you, just like Jabez did. Why is that random story in the Bible? I believe believe because it's showing that your father wants you blessed. And there are some things that only a dad can do. We need the father's blessing. We need it. If you're a dad, if you're a stepdad, if you're a grandkid, Grandfather, bless your kids. Bless them. Bless your granddaughter. I'm not negating the importance of prayer, but I'm not telling you to pray for them right now. I'm telling you to bless them. Sneak in your kid's room at night after they go to sleep. And put your right hand on them and bless them. Bless them. How do you do that? You could just go through the priestly blessing that Aaron did as a start. But do you know what I do with my kids? Is when I bless them, I just speak over them what I want to see in their life. I bless you with wisdom. I bless you with the heart of the Father towards others. I bless you with great identity as a daughter that you will never want for anything. I bless you with my love and I bless you with my life. I bless you with great decision-making ability. And I bless you with the ability to see right from wrong. I bless you with houses and cars and jobs. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless them. 
If you're a single mom, this may be a little controversial. You don't have to be mom and dad. Just be mom. I know that sometimes you have to fulfill the role that dads would normally fill, but you're mom. Be who God's called you to be, but introduce them to their heavenly father. The best thing a single mom can do is to tell their kids about their father, their heavenly father, and they will want for nothing, but you can bless your kids. This is not just for males, but that blessing of a father you can call down on your kids, single moms, from our heavenly father. Amen? I, uh, You know, we teach a lot about forgiveness because forgiveness is definitely a key to revival, you know? But in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, Jesus doesn't just say forgive others, but he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Forgiveness is one thing. Blessing is a whole nother level. You know that God wants us to move from not just forgiveness, I know that's a big step, but to actual blessing. Maybe the person who hurt you the most, and you keep trying to forgive and forgive and forgive, and it keeps coming up, keep forgiving, but maybe begin to bless them. Not bless them with a brick, you know what I mean? But why don't you pray for their marriage? I bless their marriage. I bless their home. I bless their business. You know that person that ripped you off that still owes you money? Bless their business. You know that unsold merchandise that you've been hanging on to you can't seem to get rid of? Why don't you bless it? Why don't you bless it? I bless this unsold merchandise in Jesus' name. And watch it fly out the door. Begin to bless and not curse. Forgive, but go from forgiveness to blessing. I actually want to take a moment. If you have kids here, would you put your hand on them? Actually, before we do that, I want to do one other thing. Sorry, I skipped a step. We're all about steps here. (laughs) I want to pronounce a blessing over you. Can you stand? Is that okay? Can everybody stand? We're almost done. We're getting there. You guys doing okay? I want you to just hold your hands up, okay? And I'm going to pronounce this blessing over you. I'm not your dad, at least except for three of you. But I want to pronounce this blessing over you, not as the father of this house. I'm a father of, in this house. He is the father of this house. And I want to pronounce his blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.
You are a son. You are a daughter. And you are blessed. You are blessed. But you are also a father. And you are a mother. And you have hands that will bless. And the anointing and the blessing that is on you, you can give to others. You don't have to be a natural father or a natural mother. Everyone in this room, if you've received the blessing of the Father, you have now become a father and a mother. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You go ahead and have a seat. I remember, oh, got to wrap up. It's a couple years ago, and I was at a conference out in, on the West Coast. I don't think you were with me at that one. Um, and it was a time when, it was a conference we weren't supposed to be running, but we ended up running it because the other people didn't. So we kind of, yeah, you expect to go to a conference, and all of a sudden you're running the whole conference. You're like, oh, this is interesting. Okay. Um, and it was a pastor's conference. There was hundreds of pastors who were there. And, and uh, I was one of the guys that had kind of gotten everybody to where they were supposed to be. Everybody's in the room. Boy, you try to get pastors to do something you ask them to do. That's, a, that's an interesting thing. A bunch of type A's that don't like to be told what to do. And I'm like, can you go in the room, please? No? Okay, that's great. Thanks. You know? But I finally got them all in the room. And it was a moment when like the buffet was outside, and I'm like, now I can finally eat. So we finally got them all inside, and I'm sorry to get something to eat, but I'm the only one that's out still in the lobby. Everybody's inside. And uh, I'm just sitting out there by themselves, and I see this couple of guys walking kind of over towards me looking for the room, and I look over, and I go, hey, I know that guy, and it was Rick Warren. You know Rick Warren? Wrote the best-selling book of all time other than the Bible purpose-driven life. And this was only a few months after he had just lost his son to suicide. And he lived nearby, but there was a couple of pastors that had been traveling to him to minister to him, which was amazing. But he's just walking into this meeting unannounced. And I'm like, oh, wow. You got to understand pastors' conferences too. That's like everybody wants to get with Rick Warren now, right? You know? And, uh, He's making his way in. He's not a guest speaker. He's just showing up, right? And I'd read Purpose Driven Life. I didn't know him at all, um, but loved his teachings, loved what he's done in his life. And he's walking in with these couple of guys. And you know that moment when you're just kind of being escorted a little bit and trying to help them get to the room? And I'm just out there at this buffet line and uh, by myself because everybody else is inside. And he looks over at me and goes, Hey, I was like, oh, hi. And then he continues on towards the room. And then he stops. And he turns around and walks over to me. I've never met the guy in my life. And just gives me the biggest, most loving hug you could ever imagine. Just hugged me for a while. You're the uncomfortably long hug. And then just looked me in the eye and walks in the room. Never said another word. And I sat there and just went, that was strange. 
What was that about? And I was like, oh, he's a, he's a hugger. You know what I mean? Like he just does that with everybody. I didn't seem to do it to anybody else. Do you know that was a season where I ended up facing a lot of challenges, things that were potentially causing me to question my calling, not my identity, but certainly my calling and some other stuff as well. And I remember that day. I knew that the thing God had called me to do for probably 10 years prior was to just be a son. That was the one thing the Holy Spirit kept telling me over and over again. Be a son, be a son, be a son. And in that moment, I felt the call of God that says, you've been a son. Now it's time to be a father. And in that one hug was an impartation from a father. And what I didn't feel was the pain of a father who had lost a child. I felt the heart of a heavenly father expressed through another man that knew he still had a blessing to give. And he was going to give it to whoever needed that blessing in that moment. He did not know me, did not know my story, still doesn't know me, haven't met him since. But can I tell you, there was an impartation that happened that day that I'm still just now beginning to see the manifestation of that here. You have a blessing to give, not just to receive. And when you've received the blessing that the Father has for you, you have a mandate, a calling, and the great privilege of blessing others. So if you're here with your family members, particularly with your kids or your grandkids, I want you to put your hands on them. If you're not here with your kids, find somebody to bless right now. Everyone in this room, no one is here without it. So everyone has a hand placed on them and everybody has their hand placed on someone else. And we're going to bless each other. But we're not going to pronounce the priestly blessing. I want you to bless the person who your hands are on right now. It doesn't have to be a large group. It could just be one person. And here's how you do it. Just speak over them what you want their future to look like. Speak over them what you would love to see happen in their life. Just take a couple of minutes. I'm not going to do this from the front, but just go ahead. Just begin to proclaim over them a blessing over them. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.